This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale on what is a victorious week after we saw the Wildcats men's team defeat uh, ASU on Saturday. Women's team not so good on Monday afternoon against Stanford. They beat Cal over the weekend. Uh, the number two team in the country uh, gave them some fits. So we'll talk about all of that. But we're going to dive deep later in the show to talk about men's basketball with Bruce Pascoe, the ace reporter for the Arizona Daily Star. So really looking forward to having him on. But Shane, uh, a lot to go over this week. Uh, let's start with let's get into buy or sell right off the bat. And that's presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to iceshaker.com and use uh, what you can see in Shane's hand or in my new background if you're watching the video behind Such me. Such a nice my- background. Thank you. You got, oh, you got your Gronk bobblehead there. You got ice shakers on both sides of you. You got your, you got your bases covered. It's great. Work in progress, Shane. Work in progress. But go to iceshaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, uh, and you will get $5 off. Or you can go to fanatics.com and find your ice shakers on there. All right, Shane. Number one. So we know we know Arizona beat ASU 69 to 60 on Saturday. But uh, buy or sell, Arizona starters are playing entirely too many minutes. Well, I want to back up real quick and, and just mention that I uh, this morning and we're recording this on uh, on Monday. Uh, I was behind a vehicle which had the license plate U of A sucks uh, SUX on it, uh, and um, so that person's probably had a rough couple months between U of A fo- football beating them and then uh, women's mm-hmm. basketball last week because the women's team beat took care that's of that's right, yeah, that's right, and then yeah. the men's team uh, this past weekend. So you know, thoughts and prayers with that uh, individual. Uh, as far as your question, I- I'm going to sell it, Eric. I'm actually. Not entirely concerned about the bench. I, I think that we've seen enough from enough guys to where I think that if, if other guys needed to step up, it'd be okay. Uh, and it's not like, like Azulis Tabellas, for example, is is averaging about 30 minutes a game, which isn't that bad. I, it's, it's about right for a starter, I think, in college hoops. Uh, Cedric Henderson, you know, we know he's like he's the first guy off the bench. He looks sharp uh, filling in for Courtney Ramey when Ramey wasn't eligible for those first three games of the season. Henry Vasar, uh, I know you're at the uh, uh, Fiesta Bowl, and I want to hear all about that later. Uh, but uh, I don't, so I don't know if you went back and watched the the entire game. But Vasar had his moments in there. You know, on yeah, both throwing side. a little fire too, which I like. Both sides of the ball had a nice block in the first half. He had a big yeah. uh, layup to to uh, stop the. Uh, the ASU momentum because ASU just kept, I mean, the sec- the first five minutes of the second half were just disastrous as they could be for Arizona. And, and Vasar had a hand in stopping that. So he's starting to come around. Uh, Kylan Boswell, I know he doesn't play a lot of minutes either, but when he had to fill in for Kirk Crease a while back, I thought he looked sharp. We even talked about it. It was almost an Andre Iguodala-like stat line. And we remember how young he is. So I'm not concerned about it. I it, it, In terms of... Yeah, there's a difference between depth and having a bunch of guys play 20, 25 minutes a game. And Arizona doesn't have to be one of those teams. You know, they are uh, with, with two Bellis and, and Balo being you know, conference player of the year candidates early and Kirk Carissa leading the, the Pac-12 in assists, Pell Larson stepping up. 
I, I don't think it's a concern. Uh, injuries and foul trouble at some and, and combination thereof could could change that. But now I, I'm going to go ahead and sell your question. Okay. Uh, I'm going to buy it for now, and I'll tell you why. I think it's about if there's an injury to this team. Yeah. I mean, I, with Vesar, you can plug in, you know, for Balo or Tubelis. Obviously, you're losing a lot. Uh, the scoring presence, et cetera. Guards, I guess there's some depth in case Creasa goes down, but it's just – you have guys that are just outside of Henderson and Vesar is getting a little more time. It's concerning. Now, as long as they're healthy, Shane, there's no problem. Then but, then you can sell but it. But isn't that true of any of every college basketball Not team? I mean, how many college basketball teams have, you know, like eight or nine guys who could be bona fide starters for them, you know? Houston last year lost their best player, Marcus Sasser, no, and went true. to the final four. Well, if you're going to throw facts at me, well, they didn't, go to, mean, the final, they didn't go to the final four last year, but the year before oh, that, right. they, they went to, the, but, but right. they beat they went, Arizona they to the and got the elite eight. Sorry, excuse me. But, yeah. but your point is taken. So if Arizona were to sustain an injury, like Arizona healthy is a final four caliber team. I think we can all agree Maybe. with that. Maybe. Right, okay, fine. With an injury, I don't know that you can say that. Oh, yeah. With no, any that's, injury. That's, so that's. that's that's, that's right. You're saying their margin for error is smaller than most teams. I think yeah. that's fair when you consider yeah. they lost three uh, NBA draft picks from last year and three almost first round picks, two first round picks, and Coloco yeah. wasn't too far out of it. Then, yeah, I, I think it's difficult to reload in a single season, but I think they've done okay with that. As far as whether they're playing too much, though, your actual question whether they're playing, I don't think so. I'm, okay. I'm fine with the workload fair. as it is. All right. I, I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I was, you know, you obviously, you know, 30 minutes a game. I, I prefer to keep my starters a little under that at this point, but I guess yeah. can't really do that. Um, all right. Number two, uh, as of right now, Arizona will have the Pac-12 player of the year when it's all said and done by yourself. I, as of right now, I think you have to buy. And I think that guy is as Julius Tubelis. So all, yeah, the res- all the respect to what Umar Balo has done. I think he might even be number two in the running right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that goes to your point about how, how, Top heavy Arizona is um, because they depend on those two guys so much. But what Tubelis has done, not just his numbers, but the consistency. You know, he's he's a double double. Not a, he's not double double every game, but he's always up there. He's he's never scored fewer than twelve points this season. He's scored twenty points, I think, six times. That's that's not easy to do at the college no, level. So, no. uh, and his rebounds have been consistent. He's 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 been a little more aggressive. He's had some incredible individual plays. Um, that one play was it against. Help me out. Was it against Montana State or or the game after against Morgan State where he had the 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 he kind of like, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about? He's Morgan all, State. He, he almost went out of bounds yeah. and kind of dribbled the ball. It was unbelievable. It, yeah, yeah. It was so, incredible. And it's a great response from him. And I'm happy for him after having a really a disastrous NCAA tournament and all the criticism he got, fair or unfair. So uh, as of uh, unless someone else steps up big time, I think uh, it's it's Tubelis. As long as he keeps doing what he's doing, I, I think he's the guy. I think you're right, Shane. I, I'm, I'm buying it. And if not, I think it's Ball. I don't, I don't think there's anybody else. I'll tell you, KJ Simpson's been great at Colorado, yeah. former Arizona former, commit. Former Wildcat country guest, KJ Simpson, the Wildcat yeah, a, country yeah, curse. And he will be, I mean, right now, I, I just, I tuned into him to watch them the other night. I think they were playing Stanford and I think he had 30 plus points. I mean, really, really good player. He's a player of the week. Yeah. With that said, I mean, he's probably first team all pack 12. I think Azulis Tubelis as of right now. And it was one, I think Ballos two as of right now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm going to buy that. Assuming Arizona continues at a pace, and we'll talk to Bruce Pasco about that in the next segment. Yeah. That that we think they can we think they can play. All right. Uh, number three, uh, Tommy Lloyd still has not adjusted to upper echelon defensive teams by herself. Well, I, I'll I guess I'll buy it in that I don't 
I feel like this is just kind of Tommy Lloyd's style. Uh, now, last season, Arizona was a better defensive team. They relied on offense more, and I think that you know they got they got ousted in the tournament by a better defensive team. Uh, but the, you know, you look at Ken Palm; they were hovering around twenty. Uh, now they did move up from in the low seventies to after the ASU game uh, in in the mid to, to high fifties, and that was one of their best defensive performances of the season, especially. Uh, late in the game, they're up six. Uh, Tubelis has that technical foul. Um, there it looked like they're going to run. They're going to run away with it. They're up eight, and then Tubelis gets a technical foul. ASU gets two free throws. They get the ball back with a chance to cut it to single digits. And it was just a great defensive possession. ASU had to to force up a, a well contested three. Didn't matter because they couldn't make the open ones anyway. But that was a great defensive. So if they get more of that, and ASU is not a very good team offensively, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. But I don't know what's so much of an adjustment as much as number one, I think Tommy Lloyd's style is more focused on the offense. And we'll talk to Bruce Pascoe about that, that too, but also they, they lost, I mean, they lost to the reigning Pac-12 defensive player of the year and some other guys who were, were, were good on defense. So uh, I think they will be better. I don't know. They're going to be, they're probably not going to be top 20 in Ken Palm, but as far as your question, has he adjusted no, but I, I, I don't, I think that Tommy Lloyd is, is an offense first guy. That's just who he is. Okay. Fair. With that said, now going back and watching the game as I did, uh, part of it, um, I very concerning to see a 17 point lead evaporate to one with mm-hmm. a team that was still not shooting that great on the other side. That's a problem. Yeah. Now, and, you know, with that ahead. said, they, they yep. were able to, to rebound and, and cover the spread. I mean, as I, you know, you got to point that out because uh, I believe it was a six point spread. They were able to do that, yep. but it's still concerning that they were not able to immediately solve that for a considerable period of time. And if ASU had shot better, they lose that game or would have been in serious trouble. I, I am concerned that Arizona tends to blow leads. Uh, the, the Creighton game comes to mind. They almost yep. blew that one. The Tennessee San, game, San Diego State, where they blew, it was down to one, same yeah. thing, and then they, you know, took off I, again. I feel like Eric, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like this team gets bored. They need a challenge. Sometimes yeah. it's not so much that they get complacent. Maybe they do, but mm-hmm. it's sometimes they just, they, they they're confident in it, Put it like this. They're confident enough to know, to believe they're going to find a way to win because typically they do. So they don't, they don't panic in those situations, which is good. But I think the next step is to not get in those situations to begin with, you know, great teams are going to make runs and that's fine. But, you know, ASU with, you know, not just, the run they made, but how they did it with five or six straight dunks or whatever it was, what that was bad. It was really bad. And, and ASU is not that good a team offensively. No, so, and, and look, no. Arizona overall played good defense, but the lead slipping away does concern me. I, and, and you can tell me if I'm stupid for this. And I'm sure a lot of people on Twitter will, because they always do, but I, I, I might actually be good for this team to see a double digit lead slip away and then not win it. Just so they remember that feeling going into the NCAA tournament, just so they have in the back of their minds they're not invincible. I don't know if that if that's a scenario that's going to play out or even it's a good idea, but it's just something that's been in the back of my mind. Okay, fair. Um, I will leave it at that. I just want to see more growth going forward against better defensive teams. I'm not sure in the Pac-12 we're going to see that. UCLA yeah. can D it up. Um, you know, Washington State can D it up. Um, I guess we'll see. I... I'm still on the fence about this one. Uh, I want to transition these next two questions, and we'll come back to men's basketball. Uh, Monday, Arizona lost uh, to Stanford in uh, with the women's team. They were out-rebounded by 19 against Stanford. Now, Stanford's mm-hmm. a top-five rebounding team in the country. Arizona is way down there. I mean, way back. 
Is this the, I'm going to say rebounding is the Achilles heel as to why Arizona would not make a serious run in the postseason uh, by herself. Uh, I'll, I'll buy that. The, that's definitely an issue. Uh, certainly the missing Lauren where uh, um, for rebounding yes. purposes that, yes. that, that has been a bigger deal in that perspective than I actually thought it would be. Uh, overall though, I think it's, it, it's going to sound real basic, but I think it's a scoring they're just not a very high scoring team. I don't, they have a lot of very good players. I don't think they really ha- have carved out an identity yet as far as the, the pecking order of this team, who's going to have the ball in late, clo- in late uh, close game situations. Um, you know, Shayna Pellington kind of took over that role last year. I had necessity when Aaron McDonald left. Kate Reese is great, but she's not someone who's necessarily going to take over a game late very often. Yeah, uh, They have a lot of young potential. They don't have the leadership of Sam Thomas on this team anymore. Someone who could uh, not only is a great leader, but could bail them out with a big three pointer a lot of times. So I, I think this team is still finding its identity. I think they're going to be significantly better by the end of the season. I think that they are could still make an NCAA tournament run. But yeah, I, I think that this team is, to your point, is missing Lauren Ware uh, more than than I expected them to. And that that's a problem. You mentioned Stanford's a great rebounding team. But yeah, that's, that's definitely a concern going forward. Major concern. Uh, team can score. Uh, they had, you know, they were close in three of the four quarters. Second quarter, they had a real bad one. I think they only yeah. scored seven points. Number two team in the country. I just, this game showed Arizona probably not ready for prime time. Uh, they're good. By the, by the end of the season, I think they could get there. But yeah, the okay. rebounding is a definite problem. I agree with you. All right, number five, I want to transition to football. I'd love to be able to throw a football question in every now and then. I know we got the schedule that'll come out hopefully this month, uh, the 2023 schedule. So we'll get dive deep into that. But I've had this one on the back burner for a while, Shane. So I'm going to ask you. Uh, buy or sell Arizona needs a legitimate open quarterback competition this offseason. I'll sell that they need one. I I actually wouldn't mind seeing one though. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it could push Jaden Delora to be even better. I mean, let, let's be honest. Jaden Delora is, is barring something more uh, substantial is going to be the starting quarterback for Arizona next season. Yeah. But for Jed fish to go in and say, look, we're, we're, we're going to explore all options. Uh, no, Noah Fafita uh, is coming back and and obviously he wants to be the guy at some point. Uh, Braden Dorman is going to come in as a four star, uh, maybe give him some, some reps. So yeah, I, I'm fine with Jed fish calling it an open quarterback competition, even though I, I don't know if anyone would really necessarily believe that it is, but yeah, I, I would like to see, you know, like if he's asked, for example, do you know who your starting quarterback is next season? If he just came back and said no, even if he didn't believe that, I'd be fine. I'd be fine with that for motivational purposes. I'm going to buy this and I'm going to tell you why exactly what you said, Shane, motivational purposes. Mm-hmm. Don't tell J- Jaden Delora could get cocky if he's the, the unquestioned starter. If he plays like crap in in spring camp and Noah Fafita is amazing. Yeah, going into fall camp, it, the, the heat should be on. Yeah. Jaden Delora was good and won Arizona some games, but he also had his moments where, as we've discussed on this podcast, he was, he was, had his, just, they weren't his best moments. Yeah. Noah deserves a chance as a four star recruit. It's very unlikely he will beat out Delora, but Delora needs to feel some heat. It shouldn't be like T Mac where you're going to get your starting for sure. Noah or Jaden's going to start game one and probably game two and three if he's healthy next season. With that said, Noah needs to show what he can do with the ones in spring camp, in my opinion. Some of you may disagree. 
So be it. But I think we're on the same page here, Shane. Well, you know, one one thing that Arizona didn't have the opportunity to do uh, this past season was they didn't really have a uh, quote unquote preseason game where they were able to play a lot of backups, you know, and, and where because a lot of times early in the season you play uh, you know, an FCS team and that that's not named North Dakota State. And you're able to, you know, play the set play, you know, guys like Noah Fafita and some other backups in the second half and kind of see what you got and give them some some experience. They didn't really have that opportunity this past season. I know Fafita came in late in a couple of games in yep. garbage time, but that's a little bit different. Uh so hopefully, you know, Arizona plays NAU this season. Uh hopefully that it will not be nearly as close. And hopefully they'll beat them this time. I suspect that they will, uh, and that they'll be they'll have a healthy lead in the second half, and they'll be able to to give those guys some playing time. But yeah, I, at least publicly, I, I'd be fine if there was a, an open competition, even if privately it's like yeah, you know, Jaden's yeah. There. Well, the good news is, as you said, Shane, Arizona schedule is going to open with NAU. I think it's Mississippi State second, or I don't remember. I think it's them second and UTEP third. So Noah's probably going to see action in two of the first three games at least. But hopefully. I still think. This spring, he should be taking reps with the ones. I, I'd be yeah. fine with that. I'd be fine no, with that. Nobody well, else well, especially yeah. his, his connection with, with McMillan and and, uh, and Keon Burnett, who we didn't see much of this past season, Mark, yeah. most, mostly because of Tanner McLaughlin's emergence. Correct. Correct. All right. Uh, let's get back to men's basketball. Bonus question, Shane. If you were to bet today, Arizona will be no lower than a number two seed in the NCAA tournament by yourself. If I had to bet today, I'd, I'd buy it. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's always health permitting, but uh, great resources, bracketmatrix.com, which is a, basically they aggregate all the bracket predictions out there, you know, some good, some not so good, but it, it takes a, it, it's, it's a collective. So I feel like it's more accurate. Uh, as of this recording, Arizona is the first uh, number two seed according to bracket matrix. So you could certainly make an argument that there are one, they are tied with Purdue who, who just lost, I believe to Rutgers. Yeah. Number one stunning. Purdue. Yeah. Uh, stunning. So, and, and I went to overtime against Nebraska. So th- there's really no, there aren't really any like super elite teams this season. There are a lot of very good teams, but you can make a case that Arizona is, is a one seed at this point. Uh, there will be some opportunities for quality wins, even though the, the Pac-12 is is what it is. There's UCLA yep. and there's Not everyone great. else. Yep. Uh, but Arizona took full advantage of its early schedule by uh, racking up so many quality wins against Tennessee and San Diego State and Indiana and Creighton. And hopefully those wins will look as good at the end of the season or better than they do now. Uh, the loss at Utah really, in terms of net rankings, wasn't bad. It was an ugly loss, but in terms of the just the, that that metric, it wasn't a bad loss. So if they keep those to a minimum, maybe just you know have one loss outside the quad one, then yeah, I, I think it, as of now, I would guess that they would be a one or a two seed in the tournament. I would say you're probably right, but here's the kicker, Shane. I think Arizona has a margin of four more games. They can lose four more games and stay a two seed. You can no. lose five games, I think, and get a two. If they were to, to lose five games in or six games in conference and go 14 and six, I'm not sure that's good enough. I think that we're talking three, you know, and, and that includes the Pac-12 tournament. So I think the key for Arizona at this point, three more losses in the regular season. I think they can get away with it, be a one or two seed. I think because, you know, you got to yeah. leave the option for the Pac-12 tournament. But I, I think just because of the nature of of college basketball this season, Eric, that there may be even a, a wider margin for error than usual, because I don't think there are going to be a lot of teams that end the season with just two or three losses. This isn't like a couple of years ago where there was Gonzaga and Baylor and, and then everyone else. There's right. It, it really seems to be a wide open competition. I mean, the number one team at the beginning of the season, North Carolina, fell off the face of the earth for, for a few weeks. So 
I feel like it's a lot more open and maybe some teams will emerge, but I think that in most years I would agree with you, but I think Arizona could have a Pac-12 record of say 15 and five, maybe lose in the Pac-12 tournament championship and have that be a scenario where even in that situation, they get a two seed. I'd say it just depends. You're right. I mean, it depends what everybody else does. You know, if UCLA goes in 19 and one in the conference, yeah, it's one thing. And then Arizona is the clear number two. You have to be at least the two in the conference. I mean, this is a very, very weak conference. When you look at the betting odds, Shane, and you see Arizona and UCLA are so far ahead of everybody else, as yeah. as came out, you know, as we've seen, they were almost even money both of them, and everybody else is like fifteen to twenty to one. Yeah. So I, I so I think impactful play. It's really about avoiding those landmines, which is losses to bad teams. You know, you can afford to lose a game at UCLA. Uh, maybe at at Oregon or a couple of other schools, like they would fall in that quad one category. But if you lose, you know, so like if Arizona, for example, lost one of their their home games against Washington or Washington State, especially if it was Washington this week, that's something that the committee would look at at the end of the season and be like, I don't know, this is a one or a two seed. They might knock them down a line. Yeah, I think that I think that's a key chain. That's a really good point. Uh, and then we'll transition. I think if Arizona were to win out at home, as we expect them to do, what if they won? 20 something in a row ucla is going to be tough ucla is going to be tough um but outside of that i mean they've won you know they they have one of the longest winning streaks in the country yeah Yeah. they go undefeated home yeah i think we're talking one or two seed and you can you can excuse some of the road losses coming up next let's talk to bruce pasco the ace reporter as i like to call him from the arizona daily star here in wildcat country Scooby, we sent you an ice shaker. Um, they are a sponsor, uh, courtesy of our buddy Chris Gronkowski. Uh, you have it right there. I love my ice shaker. Fun fact, when I was, I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, everybody, when we were trained together, people thought I was, I was the other Gronk brother. So it was kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It is very good. I use it every day. I am a, I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Gronkowski here. Use coupon code WildcatCountry at iShaker.com. Very pleased as our first guest in 2023 to welcome the maven of Wildcat basketball. I don't think anybody outside of the team knows more than Bruce Pascoe of the Arizona Daily Star. He's only said that about a half dozen other people. No, no, I don't, Shane. No, I don't, Bruce. Come on, come on. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't you know, know about true. that. I just know that I'm lucky enough to be around the most. I get to go to the road games and and I I see them a lot in person and, and you have to fly to you have to fly to this last one, right? So at least there's that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Except that I-10 was closed and there was like three accidents before uh, the closure and no, uh, a number. Uh, I yeah, think I should've... got to the game like 40 minutes before it started, which is crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there. I was at the Fiesta Bowl, so I missed it. I that was, was a terrible game. Little- I was like the Fox announcers who, yeah. you know, weren't there in person. So <laughs> yeah, I yeah. figured, you know, if they, if they're not there, I mean, I guess I can get away with it too. All right, Bruce, first question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to throw you on the hot seat right away. Cause you know, it's wildcat country. Uh, Arizona's bench. Is it a major problem going forward? Uh, you know, I mean, well, I mean, if they don't get into foul trouble or injuries, no, they'll be all right. Cause they've been all right. But I mean, that is the one thing you wonder because, you know, I mean, for them, you would kind of want to knock on wood when they say, you know, if they were to say this, but like they have not had any major problems this year. Injury was a little bit of things here and there. And last year they were pretty lucky too. Uh, they did lose to Bellis to a pretty significant ankle injury that he continued to play on and wasn't that effective the rest of the year, you know, so something like that happened to somebody else. Um, 
you know, the bench becomes more of a factor. I, it's definitely, you know, I mean, you know, you're nitpicking a little bit with a team that's the number five team in the country that's done as well as they have and, and frankly exceeded expectations again this year. But if you had to look for some Achilles seals, you might say that, you know, and then you might say maybe, uh, you know, you don't have that Ben Matherin kind of bucket getter guy, you know, like, like you had last year. So automatically there's a couple little things like that. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce, like Eric said, thanks a lot for joining us. And, and you really do bring a ton of knowledge. And so that's why we have you on. And we appreciate you uh, taking your taking your valuable time as a journalist uh, to, to educate us. Uh, so Arizona's still at number five uh, nationally. They didn't leapfrog UConn, even though I thought maybe they would. Uh, you have a vote in the AP poll. Where do you have Arizona this week and why? I had them five also. And I actually thought just without looking at things, I thought, you know what, they might jump ahead of UConn. We'll see. And then, you know, it's one of those deals when – and I probably spend at least an hour, sometimes a couple hours every Sunday night going through this because I don't, you know, I, I take it very seriously. And so when UConn lost, you know, it's easy to think, OK, well, they dropped down because U of A, they lost. But but it happens is they drop into the bank of comparable teams with comparable resumes with one loss. And if you look at them like that, and I kind of, as the committee likes to say, they you do that scrub thing and you put UConn and Arizona together, look at their schedules uh UConn had a couple of road wins schedules very comparable but they won twice on the road and then the one time they lost was at Xavier not a bad place to lose you know Utah is not either but but you know uh, relatively losing you yeah, Xavier isn't as bad of a sin so to speak as losing at Utah so that's why I put UConn ahead uh, the mainly those considerations there but they're you know and, and, you know, I mean, you could also look at defensive ranking. I mean, I think sure. UConn defensively is a lot better, yeah. but that's also balanced out by the fact that Arizona's offense is really, really good. So in that sense, that's kind of a wash. I, I, I look more at the, just the accomplishments. Let's talk about Arizona's offense for a minute because they're in Ken Palm, still number one uh, in offense uh, nationally. They've struggled in their two road games. They scored fewer than 70 points in both of them. Fortunate enough to play good enough defense to and have ASU just miss a bunch of shots uh, yeah. to win in Tempe. Is there a common denominator in those two particular games, in your opinion? Uh, you know, I hmm, that's a good question, Shane. I, You know, I, I don't know. I mean, in, in a way, they were very different because I think uh, the Utah game really was kind of a classic let down game they weren't yeah. really ready to play it was after maui right and yeah they came back from maui they were on this big high they had almost, they had a week off you know they went they went snorkeling you know had thanksgiving you know just all these things and then you go up to a high altitude it's half full in the arena because all the utah fans are in las vegas for the football game and it just you know they just weren't as normal I, whereas i think at asu i think they were out there you know pretty much at, at full throttle from the beginning they just weren't executing and in fact i think tubelis even talked about this i think he was too wound up and and uh, forced some shots early that he probably shouldn't have taken so you know yeah i don't i don't see anything except except the common denominator yeah just not shooting and, and particularly shooting poorly from from three as well. I think those were common and, you know, Arizona's a pretty good shooting team, but they, you know, they, they do have some streakiness, like, like pretty much a lot of teams do. Bruce, when, when Arizona state cut it from 17 to one in the second half, what's going through your mind as somebody that watches this team game in game out, or are you thinking this team's toast ASU's on this huge run? Or are you thinking Arizona's going to get over this and, and they'll be fine? 
Yeah, I thought they'd be fine just because I think, you know, I think most of the time across the board in that situation, most of the time there is always those big comebacks. But most of the time when you see that kind of thing happen, it ends up the team that catches up, catches their wind and and they just can't keep going. You just can't sustain that kind of energy when you put so much into it coming back. And, you know, I think the one thing I thought is, you know, ASU still hadn't hit many threes at that point. And that was the one thing I thought. I said, well, you know, if they get hot on three, if, if then they could win it, but, but that never really happened. And um, so, uh, you know, I thought they'd be okay. And it also reminded me a lot of last year when ASU took that 14 to one run at the beginning mm-hmm. of the game and boom, that was gone after like 10 minutes and, and Arizona led by, I think four or six or something at halftime and went on to win by 11. And, and I think they led even by 20 something in the second half. So, so things, things can change pretty quickly, uh, you know, with Arizona in general playing at the pace they do, but also these, these ASU games have been kind of, kind of whipsaw things. Yeah. It, I mean, good comeback by ASU, I guess, but it, it showed more to me that the Wildcats were able to overcome that and then win the game and, you know, cover the spread. Not that I had it, but still, yeah. uh, you know, there's there, yeah. some people that matter. Did Arizona, in your opinion, learn? Uh, like, are they the sa- are they going to have the same problem in the tournament that they did last year if they face a, a Houston or TCU? That's what I got out of watching the second half against ASU. That a, a, a better defensive team can can stifle this team going forward. I mean, are you still yeah. concerned about that? Yeah, I think. Well, it's, there's two things. I mean, I think they're. Uh... They're a little tougher. I think we saw that against Tennessee. Oh, granted, that was a home game, but you know, and and they've shown in some other games that they they maybe aren't going to be as susceptible to facing a Houston and just getting drummed, you know, physically. But on the other hand, they're they're struggling a little bit defensively, especially compared to last year. You know, their two point defense, which I think is kind of maybe arguably the biggest measurement. Uh, it, you know, is down quite a bit from from what they were able to do last year. And part of that is, frankly, Christian Coloco not being there where you have him around the basket and your perimeter guys can be a little more aggressive on the perimeter because they know Coloco is going to clean up any mistakes. And then, of course, they lost, you know, Dale and Terry with all that length. And, you know, he stole the ball a lot. He caused some problems. Ben Mather in the case, you know, would. And, and so there's and that's where you see that kind of, and that's kind of when you go back to the beginning of the season, why Arizona wasn't rated in the top five, because they lost those three guys. Now you're seeing defensively, particularly, I think uh, those three guys leaving is, is making a big impact on, on that. So that that's the thing. So again, it's, they're better, they're tougher maybe, but, but skill wise defensively, maybe not quite as good. So it's a trade-off, I guess. First, let me ask you about Pella Larson, because I think he got kind of off to a slow start this season, but he's made a big impact, especially against Indiana and against Tennessee. His threes haven't been falling. He's like 27% from three this year, but he's taken to the hoop. He had five big points against Tennessee when, when Arizona almost let that lead slip. He's clutched at the free throw line late. Uh, his defenses, I mean, even at last year, he would be in the game late, I think, for defensive purposes. What are your thoughts on him maybe over yeah. the last few games compared to how we opened the season? Well, he's been, you know... A- I think the 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 thing that strike me the most about him uh, is just well he does does a lot of a little bit of everything, uh, but just getting to the line and hitting what is he eighty three percent I think from the line it's just incredible, yeah. um, you know and it's it's made a difference I think uh, you know a number of games they've they've had a huge free throw advantage and getting to the line and and percentage at the line. And frankly, that's how they beat ASU when you really, really boil it down to it. There's, there's been a number of games like that. So, but yeah, his three points not been good, twenty-seven percent. I mean, th- that should come around. I think you know the expectations were a little higher for him offensively, 
you know, because he was, he, you know, he did sort of come, come on as last season went on and he got past that, uh, you know, missing the off season with his foot injury. Um, so I think it's maybe, maybe arguably a little bit disappointing to rel- relatively to his expectations. You know, he also had a really good summer, uh, you know, learned a lot playing on that Swedish national team. And so I think, you know, expectations were really high and, and maybe he hasn't quite there, but I think overall, you know, I, I don't think Tommy Lloyd's complaining about him. You know, he's just, he does so many things and he does little things like, you know, guarding those hybrid four mans, you know, they don't really have anybody, you know, and the ASU game was another example. Like sometimes you have that six, four, six, five power forward. You're trying to figure out who to defend him with. And a lot of times it's either Cedric Henderson or Larson. And he's, you know, he's done pretty well with that. Last time we had you on, Bruce, you mentioned Henry Vesar could uh, ultimately be an NBA prospect. And I think we're starting to see some glimpses of that against ASU. You know, his, yeah. his stats don't jump off the page, but uh, he had some, you know, some big defensive plays. He had a, I remember he had a big basket when, to, when ASU had that big run and Tubelis was out of the game. And, and Tommy Lloyd trusted him enough to, to kind of stay in there when things were going a little bit crazy. Have you seen any growth from him from the beginning of the season up until this point? Uh yeah, I think I think just a little more uh, comfort in general. I think he's um, it's just it's interesting with him. He's, uh, you know, played three years at a pretty high level club, a junior club in, in Europe and just getting used to this game. But, you know, I think I think just, yeah, maybe this comfort level because, you, you know, you saw right away, even at the red blue game, just his skills kind of and the way he could run the floor kind of jumped out right away for his size that he could do some of these things. But you know, and, and again, here's another guy who has just had a lot of expectations maybe because he came from where he came from and you need, you never really know with, with guys overseas, how it's going to translate, but, but him like Tubelis, the, there was a lot of hype that he was the best European player to go the college route in his class as it was with Tubelis. And it, it's turned out that Tubelis has lived up to that. And, and I think based may, you know, eventually, um, you know, it's just right away this season, it's, it's, been a little bit limiting, but I also think that, you know, that may also be a factor. There's the fact that Tubelis and Balo have been so dominant and taken yeah. so many of the minutes and points and rebounds and, you know, which is let Vaser kind of develop at a slower pace. There's not the pressure on him. In fact, I was, I was talking about this uh, before about how comparing him to like, say Lowry Markin and when Lowry Markin came in, like they needed him to do everything right, right away, you know, and, and yeah. that's not been the case. So it's just a different course, but yeah, again, you can see the skills in him and, and his upside is, is pretty significant. Let's talk about Kylan Boswell for a second, Bruce. We asked you about him earlier as well. He hasn't developed. I know he's 17. He's a young kid. He hasn't developed like I had hoped. What are your thoughts on, on what you've seen from him thus far? Yeah, I think, I think, um, well, I still think it's a little early to tell. I mean, you know, he's had he's had a pretty good run. I think it was I'm, I can't remember now if it was uh, Montana State or what game it was. I think where uh, he he got an extended run there, and even uh, you know some of the big games that uh, Tommy Lloyd's shown that he's he's trusted him in there, and you know he he's been pretty solid. He's a good passer. He's a pretty good shooter. I mean, he's pretty he's got some good defensive potential. It's just he is very young and. Uh, you know, wasn't supposed to be in this class. And then again, kind of like Larson last year, missed, you know, I, I think it's easy to not 
think about how significant it is when you miss a whole preseason because we don't see the preseason. We don't write that much about it. We don't get to watch it. There's not there's no videos of it. Nobody knows. But like literally Kylan Boswell is sitting there with a boot for, you know, most of the summer and, and fall. And then he's on a bike or whatever. He didn't really start doing much till till October. So. You know, I, I still think it's a little early to to judge him, but uh, you know, Tommy Lloyd said he thinks he can be one of the best guards, possibly in school history. You know, when he, you know when it's all said and done, if he if he sticks around, so we'll see. But I th- I think uh, you know maybe later this season, I think you know it'll be more more interesting to see where he's at at this point at that point. So I saw some odds, Bruce, for the Pac-12. You know, to win the Pac-12 regular season title. And it was Arizona, UCLA tied at the top, and then everybody else like significantly back. Yeah. Just your overall opinion of the conference from what you've seen from the other 11 teams thus far? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think with a couple exceptions, it's been uh, probably overall a little bit disappointing, especially those other, you know, those other uh, 10 teams. I think, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of looking like, it might be a top four or five, six teams in the tournament. Still, they still might get, you know, three or four. in. I think, you know, Colorado has been looking pretty good, but then they've gotten off to a bad start and lead and just lost a Cal. I mean, you know, so what's that? And, uh, you know, ASU has been a, a pretty good surprise for, for the better for them. And then they got blown out by San Francisco and then, you know, lost ASU where they couldn't, couldn't hit a shot. So it's, it's it's really something. I mean, I think I think uh, you know I think Stanford has been disappointing. I thought they with the guys they had back and the way they finished last season, they beat ASU in the tournament. They almost beat Arizona in the tournament uh, in the Pac-12 tournament, and uh, you know had a lot of guys back, and they've been disappointing. You know, uh, Washington State has been probably worse than expected. Um, you know, and, and Oregon, and that's probably, you know, this is, this is the second year in a row. Now Oregon's not lived up to expectations. However, they've had a lot of injuries as they, as they had before, they still could come around. I think that's probably as big as, uh, unknown as anything as if, you know, Oregon finds a way to get into the race, if they get more healthy and, and together, there's still obviously plenty of time in the league race for things to shake out. Bruce, how much credit do you think Tommy Lloyd deserves? Uh, number one, for the success this team has had in general the first year and a half he's been here. And number two, for the development of, of guys like Christian Coloco last year who, and Umar Balo this year and Pella Larson. Uh, how much credit do you think he deserves for not only the, their maturation, but just for the success the program has had in the time he's been here? Or is it more about the players in your opinion? No, I think it's, you know, and I, I mean, it's, it's hard to say this as a, a beat writer, because I don't feel like I should throw my opinion around on things like this too much, but it's pretty obvious that these guys are getting better. I think you do have to give them credit for that. I think you have to give Sean Miller credit for bringing in guys like Coloco and Kirk Kreese and Azulis Tabellas when, you know, Miller had struck out left and right on some five-star guys back in the fall of 19 and you know had to go through zoom in the middle of the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic and try and just scrape some talent together and you ended up getting some really talented players and then uh but but i think you know we all saw last year i think coloco is probably the biggest example he was getting better under miller there's no question about it uh he was really pretty good as a sophomore but last year he just completely took off so you got to give the staff some credit for that and uh you know even even a guy like you know, Ben Matherin elevated a little bit last year, you know, Dale and Terry got better, uh, you know, 
And I think this year you're seeing a guy like, you know, Kirk Reese has gotten more consistent, you know, um, uh, and a lot of these better. I think the, the the interesting thing is we don't know yet about some of these freshmen, like we just spoke about with Basar and Boswell. Those will be, those will be really, really interesting to see how they develop. But I think, I think that's been a big piece of it is, you know, the, the development and, and what bodes well for this program is that Tommy Lloyd's really, even in this, transfer portal nil era he's showing he's recruiting guys that he you know as much as he can anyway it appears you know find guys that are going to stick around and be committed and that that in a lot of case means getting international guys who don't grow up changing high schools and clubs every two months or whatever you know so they're they're not used to transferring and they stay there and and then you can develop them so that bodes well for arizona too last question for you bruce um Scheme wise, game planning wise, can you do a quick comparison of, of Tommy Lloyd to Sean Miller in terms of what, maybe what Tommy Lloyd does a little bit better and maybe what Sean Miller did a little bit better? Well, I think probably it, it's maybe it's simplistic, but I'd say simply offense and defense. I mean, Tommy Lloyd's offense is, you know, not only up tempo, but just so much more efficient. It's fun to watch. It's, uh, you know, yeah, guys seem to enjoy it. The players seem to enjoy it. There's just, there's a lot of just good vibes out there. And, uh, you know, they're just, they're hard to defend against because they, you know, they can, they can do so many things with, with their flexibility and, you know, the way guys know to look for each other and uh, can work with each other and just kind of improvise a little bit. Um, it's hard to defend against. I think with Miller was maybe a little, arguably a little more predictable sometimes to go after them. Uh, and stop them. But, but on the other hand, Miller's teams were typically very, very good defensively. Those, obviously we know those, those two elite eight teams in the, you know, 14 to 15, those were elite defensive teams and, um, you know, and, and, and frankly tough, they were tough teams. And I think even, even, uh, you know, the, the, the core of the team that Miller left behind had, had a little bit of that toughness, uh, you know, inside of them. So, you know, guys like, uh, you know, to Bellis and, and Carissa really kind of grew from that experience. And so I, I, I don't know. I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing that strikes me. All right. And last one, it's an easy one for you, Bruce. Very easy. Of course, you know, no, not putting we'll on see. the spot at all. 17 games left in the regular season. Predict Arizona's record before the PAC 12 tournament. <laughs> Seventh was at 13 and one now. Right. So I, you know, how many more are they going to lose basically out of 17? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, not thinking ahead. I mean, I will say they, they get, well, here's one thing. I mean, they don't go to Colorado this year. So mm-hmm. that's one less loss. I mean, and you know, maybe it's not fair to say that, but the fact is they've lost like what four in a row, I think in Boulder yeah. and they, you yeah. know, the way things are going this year, you'd have to think they probably would be favored to lose anyway. Um, so I would say probably, you know, and I think the X factor course is injuries or foul troubles to our point earlier about lack of depth. So I would say probably, you know, yeah, probably four games they lose, I think, from here on out, but but maybe, maybe less than that. And again, hmm. and that and I'm saying that because I'm incorporating that there's going to be some kind of adversity, and I'm not trying to jinx anybody. I'm just saying that the the odds are some kind of adversity is going to hit this team. So right. I could see them losing at least two or three games, you know, possibly four. Okay. I, I was thinking the magic number is three or less. Yeah. I think four is interesting, but we always appreciate your honesty. You come in, you uh you always are. Are telling it straight so we always appreciate it thanks for joining shane well, and i and uh you know talk to you again soon well sure. and i'm also wrong sometimes too eric no oh stop. Well, i mean I, listen no I, it, I, 
The only I, one, I, but see, I, yeah. here's the, you admit it though, Bruce. I mean, a lot of people will be like, no, I didn't say that. You <laughs> said, hey, like last year you came on, I said, I voted this team sixth yeah, in the preseason right. Pac-12 poll. Right. And, and I, you owned but it. I, but I thought the same thing. And, and I think yeah. but, but a lot of fans, if they were honest, thought the same as well. So Yeah, we didn't know. We had no idea Tommy no Lloyd had been a head coach. We had right. no idea exactly how good those players were uh, that Miller left behind and how Tommy Lloyd would relate to them. And, and it all turned out better than anybody expected, probably even better than Tommy Lloyd himself. Always great to have you on, Bruce. Great info. And uh, thank you for the dialogue. It's, it's great to catch up with you. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. If you're looking to add value to your sports cards, you've got to check out dtsportscards.com. They're an authorized dealer for PSA, which means you'll get great prices on your submissions if you go through them. And for just $2 a card, DT Sports Cards will take a close look at each card you submit and let you know whether it's worth grading. I just submitted some high-end hockey cards. They took a very close look, said they're good to go, and they all earned a PSA 10 grade, which tripled the value of each card. DT Sports Cards is located right here in Arizona. They provide quick, personalized service through email or direct messages. Find them online at dtsportscards.com and check them out on Instagram at dt underscore sports cards. Great to have on Bruce Pasco once again. I, just great intel. You know, we, we have some great guests and Bruce, you know, as I said, and I stand by it, I don't think very many people know more about the program being an outsider, you know, not inside the locker room. Uh, on the team as as Bruce does. He's fantastic and uh, great conversation with him. All right, this is our third segment, which is presented by DT Sports Cards. And Shane, uh, there's a big card show that you want to uh, talk about later this month. Well, I'm uh, DT Sports Cards is going to be at that show. It's the Chandler Gilbert card show, uh, January 28th. I'm looking at it right at 644 East Chandler Boulevard, January 28th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, at uh, 644 East Chandler Boulevard. I will be a seller at that show. I'll be, first time in my awesome. life, I'm going to be a, a seller at a card show. So I'll have a lot of cards there for sale. And then uh, DT Sports Cards, which they uh, are a licensed PSA dealer. So if you're looking to get your cards graded, I go through them for all of the cards I get graded through PSA. Uh, Dave, who runs DT Sports Cards, he'll take a really good look at your cards and tell them whether you should send them in. They're likely to get a high grade or you should save your money and, and not do it at all. So highly recommend them. They're going to be there too. If you're looking to submit some PSA cards, dtsportscards.com. Definitely go check them out. All right. And another thing that we're going to start talking about here on the show, uh, very honored. Shane and I are very honored. Uh, on February 17th, the 2023 Wildcat Toast and Taste event presented by the East Valley chapter uh, of the Arizona Alumni East Valley chapter, is going to be held at the Phoenix Airport Marriott, 6 p.m. Special guest is Rocky LaRose, who is a uh, legend uh, in the Arizona Athletic Department. And Shane and I will be emceeing the event. Now, I was fortunate enough to emcee the Terry Francona event the other year. And now we have a full Wildcat Country uh, event or emceeing the event. So really excited about that. So if you want to get your pictures taken with Shane Dale at the event, (laughs) (laughs) go to alumni.arizona.edu backslash events. And look for the Toast and Taste and buy your tickets. And uh, it'll be great to meet some of you out there. And hopefully you'll see a uh, enjoy a, a very uh, fun live episode of uh, 
of Wildcat Country that we'll be doing with the East Valley chapters. So are we gonna make? Are we gonna make a live episode out of the? Out of the well, I don't think we're gonna record it for the podcast, but no. I, I think it's going to be the equivalent of oh, a live I see. episode. Because I'm uh, open. For, I'm open to it. If there was a way to do that, let's do it. If but, there yeah, was a way to do that, yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, be come fun meet Eric that. and I, and, uh, and actually got a couple chances to meet me. And I think Eric, you're gonna try to stop by the card show as yeah. well. So January 28th or uh, February seventeenth, uh, you said. Yep, February 17th, Friday, February 17th. You know, it's great. And we've had a chance to meet some of our uh, listeners uh, at different times throughout the year. And I've met a couple of games. And uh, Shane and I met met somebody at uh, at the spring game in, in 2021. So we always enjoy getting to chat it up with you guys. Uh, and most importantly, thank you, uh, as always, for listening. All right, a couple housekeeping measures. Uh, bowl picks. It was not very good, Shane, for the Pac-12. Uh, and therefore, my picks went uh, spiraling down. Uh, in all the uh, well, and, and yours weren't much. Yours weren't great either. Uh, I do I any five, better than you? No, you were one game behind me. Oh, um, so I was eight and seven in the bowls. You were four and eleven. Oh, uh, oh so, my gosh! And that yeah. includes the you. I, I got the Penn State game right though, didn't I? You got, you got the Penn State game I, right, even with that. Goodness even with gracious! That, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a rough one for both of us. I now have a seven game lead on you with one to play. So I will be. Okay. The unofficial champion uh, this year, but still, congratulations, not... sir. Yeah, you're the one. Was... You're the one who's got the CBS Sports Line column. Uh, uh, you should. You're, you're the one who should hopefully. Because if I'm getting those right, and you pay a lot more attention than uh, than I do, then then something's wrong. So well, and it's you the way the check... world should be. And I'm on the, the CBS on uh, the Sports Line YouTube show called Early Edge. Uh, I am now on a few times a week, uh, giving out uh, some betting picks. Is that uh, with, actually... with Jonathan Coachman? With Coachman, yeah. Coach. Uh, the coach is great. And uh, so if you have a chance to take a look at that, it's free on YouTube. Just search uh, Sportsline. And I'll be on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on Early Edge and Five this week. So there's a little plug for that. All right. Very nice. There's one college game left, Shane. We're going to pick it. We picked everything else. Georgia is a 12 and a half point favorite over TCU. By the way, I was at the Fiesta Bowl. As you yeah, tell earlier. us about it. You're the only one in the stadium who wasn't sweating it out. I had the overline, so I felt great uh, about it. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. Well, I'm just uh, saying you're not a Michigan or TCU fan, so you no, can just sit back and enjoy the the, no, the craziness. I, I, I didn't care who won. Um, I wanted to see a great game, and I did. It was one of the crazier games I've ever been to. I'd say that, you know, when I think about crazy and important games I've ever been to, uh, 2003 Miami-Ohio State National Championship game, mm. 2014 Arizona-Cal, the Hill Mary is one oh, that yeah. comes to mind. Um, the, even that season with the Washington game with the, you know, Washington fumbled and Casey Scourin kicked a late field goal. Yep. The ASU game was also crazy. Uh, this one, probably top two or three, just insane games that I've been to, uh, college games. Uh, and it was fantastic. Uh, I really put on a, a show. And what's crazy is I've been picking against TCU all year, and they keep proving me wrong. Um, so, Shane, I'm going to let you start this one off. Georgia's a 12-and-a-half-point favorite against TCU. Uh, will Georgia win big, or do you think this one's going to be close? Well, first of all, we, we both nailed our, our uh, predictions, didn't we, for a Michigan-Ohio State rematch? We were just a little bit. I mean, Ohio State should have been there. They outplayed Georgia. By the way, did you see the, the someone synced up the uh, that kick? Fantastic. The Ohio yeah. State kick right as the ball hit yeah. dropped in the clock at, at midnight. Amazing. Amazing. Stuff. Amazing. Um, I, um, gosh, you know, I've been doubting TCU for so long. I feel like as soon as I, I embrace them, they're they're going to screw me over. But I, I I think I'm I'm part of the uh, I think I've been hypnotized by the hypno toad, Eric. I I think that twelve and a half points. I, I'm not don't know if I'm bold enough to predict a TCU to win, even though I think they're more than capable of doing that. 
because uh, I, do, I don't think this Georgia team is as good as last year's team. I still don't. They were very fortunate to beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if they're, I'm going to pick TCU outright, but I think they cover a 12 and a half actually surprises me. I figured it'd be closer to seven or eight points. So I'm going to go with TCU to cover. It's very rare. We've never seen in the, in the college football playoff era, two semifinals be this close in the same year. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a close championship game. I think George is going to, yeah. is going to beat them badly. You think I we've already gotten, you've gotten spoiled and yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I've been wrong about TCU often. So I'm not taking this one to the bank. If I were to bet one thing right now, and, and obviously we'll take a look at it as the week goes along. I'm sure I'll put something out on Twitter. Uh, I like the under. I, we saw two high-scoring games. I, I don't think you're going to see that again. What is the uh, I, the line on the over? The 60s, uh, last check. Okay. Um, it was like 62. Uh, let me see. It okay. is 62 and a half. Yeah. I just think that seems a little bit excessive. I could see – I don't think TCU is going to have a lot of success against that Georgia D. Then again, I would have said the same about the Michigan game, and what do you know? Uh, I think Georgia wins this game somewhere in the na- neighborhood of like 34 to 17, somewhere in that ballpark is what I'd say. Look, I, I, the only thing that I would bet right now is the under. Well, it, what impressed me most about TCU's win was that, that, that Duggan, he didn't have that great a game, at least throwing the ball. And yeah. they still scored 51 points. Now, obviously, they you know, the pick six had something to do with that. The defense had a lot to do with that. But the the fact that TCU was able to score that much – and by the way, the big the play of that game was on was third and seven after Michigan cut the lead to three. Oh yeah, and, and it looked like they were going to TCU was going to go three and out, and Duggan completes that pass as he's falling down that go they, they go all the way for a touchdown. So yeah, Johnston, that receiver, fantastic. But, so basically, a, a Big Twelve football game broke out, and if that happens yeah. again, then yeah. I think it favors TCU. TCU. The higher scoring this game is, the 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 the, the higher chance that TCU uh, finds a way to win. I would like to see TCU win this game. Now, let me just say that It'd be it, it's great for college football. Yeah. I picked Colorado to beat TCU in week one. <laughs> I have doubted TCU all season. Well, like TCU was picked to finish, I think, seventh in the Big 12. So yeah, they, there you go. I think we're, somebody told me the stat. I don't know if it was you, Shane. They had the exact same preseason odds to win the national championship as Arizona. Is that right? Yep. Something wow. like 200 to one. Yep. Why couldn't it have been us? Why, well, hey, why is, not Arizona? As Rich I was just going to say, as Rich Rod used to say, why not Arizona? All right. Uh, last thing this uh, show, Shane, predictions for the weekend. Uh, Arizona, men, the men's team plays uh, two games at home against uh, the Washington schools. And the women's team this weekend uh, plays, let me double check. They play the Oregon schools at home. So we have a uh, we have all four games at home. Oregon right now is number 18 in the on the women's side. Yeah. Uh, are we going to see a, a sweep this weekend, Shane? Or, or do you have concerns? I, I think so. I, well, I get concerns. I mean, the 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 best game is probably of the four is probably going to be the Arizona Oregon women's game. It's yeah. an evenly matched contest. Uh, but I think Arizona's pulled it together. I bet since that debacle against Canada, Stanford's just a really dang good team. You know, so you you take that with a grain of salt. Plus, it was at Stanford. Uh, so. I, I think the women uh, win both games. The men, I, I think they may have trouble with Washington State, which should have beaten UCLA a few days ago. Washington yeah. State led a late uh, lead slip away at, uh, in Pullman. Uh, so the, the Cougars are actually a pretty good, reasonably balanced team. They, they they get their act together. They could be a dark horse to make the NCAA tournament, even though I wouldn't pick them to make it. Um, but I think Arizona finds a way to win both games, even though I think the Washington State game may be a little bit uh, too close to, too close for comfort. Arizona's going to win both these games. Um, I'm going to say maybe not both by double digits, uh, but I think I, I think they will be cl- at least seven points for both. How about that? Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I think really like like 74, 65 kind of game for against Washington State, but I think they Washington they probably win by 15, 20 points, maybe. More. Yeah, well, I think it's high scoring. 
against yeah. Washington. Yeah, I think I this agree. is the game. It's a late game on on Thursday. I think Arizona drops not, uh, close to ninety again. I just don't think either team has the offense to keep up with Arizona. It's kind of like ASU. That's what it yeah. comes down to. Yeah. Uh, it will be interesting to see if Tommy Lloyd against a defensive-minded Washington State team uh, makes some adjustments based on what we saw against uh, ASU. So uh, I want to thank Bruce Pascoe for joining us once again. Uh, another great show, Shane. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. As always, thanks for listening and bear down. Bear down.